0: the podcast. You're about to witness a no-holds-barred conversation that I had with four convicted sex offenders. It's really the most candid and open discussion I've ever had with child molesters, and what they told me is definitely going to help you protect your children. So there are really four things that I want you to take away from this show. First, at least Ninety percent of child molesters are people you know. They are not strangers lurking in the bushes waiting to steal your children. We're talking about family, friends, uncles, fathers, brothers, neighbors. And that means less than 10 percent of molesters are the strangers who are abducting kids that you see on the news, less than 10 percent. Second, molesters seek out and seduce vulnerable, needy kids. And then they gain their trust. It's all very calculated and it's all very deliberate because without trust, as you're going to hear them say over and over today, the sexual abuse is not possible. Trust is the number one factor that they need to succeed. Third, the abuser is so conniving and they manipulate their victims. So in most cases, the molestation actually feels good. That confuses the child into blaming themselves when it's never the victim's fault. And fourth, What should you be looking for? You're going to hear in these molesters' own words what they believe every parent needs to know to stop it. So listen carefully, because this is a group session with four molesters, their therapist, Don Horowitz, person, and me. Well, thank you. Thank you for allowing me this opportunity. I really come with, I can't say no judgment, but I come with an open mind not to judge you, but to try to understand and to try to understand so that we can help other people understand so that your words will not be in vain. That's the wish and prayer that I have for for this session with us today, okay? We'll start with you, Lee.
1: When I was younger, between the ages of 10 and 12, I molested uh, three children. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was 14, I molested and raped. Uh, my girlfriend, who was also 14, mm-hmm. and uh, my offense, I molested a young child.
2: How young was she?
1: Five to six, I was sixty-three, sixty-five, some, some I forget. So you're 65 and she was five? Yes, ma'am. As yeah. I understand
0: it, this child called you grandpa? Yes, ma'am. So this was a somebody you knew?
1: Just uh, somebody that we the uh, families became very close to, mm-hmm. and I was like a grandpa to her. Mm-hmm. I fondled her, I touched her vagina, I orally raped her, mm-hmm. I touched her buttocks, and I had her touch my penis. And before all this started, I had some fantasies about uh, what I would do later on
0: how was it discovered
1: the mother walked in while I was doing it
0: what were you doing when the mother walked in
1: when the mother walked in I I was getting up and going to a chair and the child was pulling up her sweatpants Mm -hmm. so therefore I mean it's pretty obvious that something was going on Mm -hmm. the mother questioned the child and the child denied everything until uh, my understanding Mm -hmm. the next day she told her mother what happened
0: Darren Tell me how it is that you now have the label of child sex offender. How did that come to be?
3: When my daughter was 12, I began fantasizing about orally copulating her. Mm -hmm. And I would masturbate to these fantasies. And uh, they grew and grew and grew stronger until it became an obsession.
0: Was that the first time you'd ever had fantasies about molesting or abusing a child?
3: Yes. Even though I do have previous victims in my early 20s, where I, I had raped 14-year-olds. Mm-hmm.
0: So you had two previous rape charges.
3: No, mm-hmm. this was something I've disclosed since
0: I've been in treatment. Mm-hmm. I was. You weren't discovered. Never charged to, for those. Never charged. Yes. And basically, you'd gotten away with it, right? hmm And then you get married and have a daughter. Yes. At what age did you start fantasizing about your daughter? When she was 12. By that time, Darren and his wife were divorced. He had custody of his daughter, who was living with him. When you started fantasizing about your daughter, did you think that was normal?
3: No, I didn't think that was normal. I thought it was a stretch, but it, it became such a source of arousal for me mm-hmm. that I let it happen. Mm-hmm. And I continued to let it happen.
0: All right, and then what?
3: I touched my daughter when she was sleeping.
0: So how does that come to be? You just one day say, I'm going to do it?
3: The session Or do you... Or and, do you
0: subtly groom her for the moment where you're going to do it?
3: What what happened? I would say in most cases you would groom her, but in my case, it was kind of an impulsive. She was laying in a position that aroused me mm-hmm. when she was sleeping, so I just reached down and touched her, felt her up. Didn't think she would notice, you know. I was trying to do something without actually hurting her, but, you know, in my own selfish way, I'd get away with it. Did you get away with it the first time? I did, even though it did wake her mm-hmm. and she did tell her mom, but I managed to lie my way out of it.
0: Mm-hmm. What'd you tell, what did she tell her mom and what did you tell her mom?
3: She told her mom that I had touched her vagina. Mm-hmm. I told her mom that she was lying to get to go back home because there was a restriction to keep her from mom. So I told her that she was doing it to get to go back home to mom.
0: What did you think of calling your daughter a liar in that moment?
3: I really wasn't worried about calling her a liar. I was worried about protecting my butt.
0: And then you tried it again. Mm -hmm. And how did you try it again?
3: Uh, The same way I would touch her when she
0: was sleeping. Was she in the same room with you, or you would go to her room? She was in the same room with you. We were sharing a room at the time, yeah. Mm -hmm. Your 12-year-old daughter? Yes. That's not good to start with. No. Yeah. Were you sharing the same bed? No. Was she still, quote, asleep when you were doing this, or were you? that moved on to... Not every
3: time, I don't think. She usually pretended to stay asleep Mm
0: -hmm.
3: when I woke her, probably,
0: you know, out of fear. How often were you molesting her?
3: I would usually uh, feel between her legs before I go to work.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: And, uh, you know, it it happened for a second in time, you know. Mm -hmm. I would get a quick little fix and then pull off and then, you know, head on my way.
0: So tell me this you're getting a quick little feel of her while she's still in bed Mm -hmm. pretending to be asleep. Yes. And are you masturbating? Are you, your clothes are on or off or? No, her clothes are on,
3: my clothes are on. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't masturbate to it afterwards.
2: Not at that moment? No. Later? Later,
3: I would just use images of orally copulating her to uh,
0: masturbate to. Mm -hmm. So you orally copulated her?
3: I licked her over her clothes Mm -hmm. on three occasions, yes. Mm -hmm.
0: And when you would get this quick little—did you say little feel or quick little Little fix? Little feel,
3: little fix, yeah.
0: That would do what for you? It would be kind of just like an
3: adrenaline turn-on, I guess. Mm
0: -hmm. You know. Mm
3: -hmm. You know, I didn't didn't stay there and you know continue it Mm because I just wanted to. It was something real fast without her knowing.
2: But there were also times I'm sorry, that she did know because there were some bribes, weren't there?
3: Yes, I did try to, to... I asked her if I could orally copulate her, and she said no.
0: Did she ever say, would you please stop?
3: Not while I was offending her, mm-hmm. but at other times, yeah.
0: What would she say?
3: She's, she actually told me once that I didn't want you to do that because you're my dad.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And what did you say? I said, okay. But you continued? I did continue.
0: Many of you know this already. I was raped at nine and molested from the ages Mm -hmm. of nine through 14. And because of that, I've always wanted to be able to sit down and talk to a group of child molesters and ask them why and how they do what they do. It's the most honest conversation I've ever had with sex offenders. This is a rare insight into their destructive cycles of abuse, the graphic details of what they do, and how they methodically carry out their crimes. David, how did you get the title child sex offender?
4: <sighs> well, uh, when I was growing up, um, I had a family member who was three years younger than me. And her and I spent a lot of time together. And... I molested her the entire time I grew up, up until I was 20.
0: How old were you and how old was she when you started? I was around eight and she was around five. Had you been molested? I had never been molested. Mm-hmm. So what gave you the idea to start molesting?
4: Or did um, you even know that's what it was called at the time? I did not even know that's what it was called until until much later. Mm-hmm. What gave me the idea was one, one morning um, she had stayed the night and... We were out in the out in the living room watching Saturday morning cartoons, and she hadn't worn underwear, and so I looked over and noticed her vagina, and I said to myself, "Ooh, well maybe she'll let me look at it. You know, I'll show you uh, I'll show you mine if you show me yours." Mm-hmm. And she idolized me, and would I think have done anything I asked. And you knew that. And I knew that, and that's why I approached her like that. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's the thing that makes it not normal is I was manipulating this from the start mm-hmm. and it progressed from there um, to me uh, to me touching her on her vagina on her chest and from then to me orally copulating her uh, one time after after a lot of um, convincing I finally got her to orally copulate me how old were you at this time um, I was... Around 12 or 13. Mm-hmm.
0: And finally, was there vaginal penetration?
4: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, one of my friends, as a joke, gave me a condom.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: When and, you were how old? Uh, 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. I used that as an excuse to rape her the first time. You raped her? Now, it, she never consented to any of this. She went along with it because it's how she thought she had to buy my attention. hmm so would you use that? Oh yes, oh yes. Her, her life was, if not, if not as much, maybe a little more neglected than mine. I was the only one who would pay attention to her. Mm-hmm. I was the only one who would listen to her, but she had to let me molest her for that to happen.
0: So you would withhold your attention?
4: It was so bad that she was, there were times where she would seek out the abuse mm-hmm. because it was the only way she could get supportive attention and this went on until she was until she was 17 and she finally told she finally decided she would she would go out and date and got a boyfriend and she told him my you raped her when she was how old uh i i was 14 so she would have been 11 Mm -hmm. i was molesting her in her bed and her mother walked in saw and saw me getting out getting out of her bed and asked me what was going on i said well i was just um giving her a good night snuggie and she thought that was a little weird i mostly denied what had happened i after you got caught it still didn't stop you the how i made it okay was i told myself that she wanted this Mm -hmm. that she enjoyed me molesting her, that it wasn't me molesting her; it was a relationship. And I, I, I told myself her parents had forced her to, to admit to it, and she didn't want any of this, mm-hmm. uh, any of this bad, bad thing uh, to happen to me. Because once my parents were told, I of course got in a lot of trouble. That's what allowed me to continue.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And. During the whole time I was in trouble, I was, of course, withholding my attention from her. So she was starved and primed and ready for me to molest her when I started again. And so then you could go even farther. And then I could go even farther. And that's when there was... That's what I think more than anything
0: allowed me to rape her the first time. Do you see any difference between molestation and actual rape? Do you all?
3: The
4: emotional effects are nearly identical, I would think. Um, It's a matter of the methodology causing the damage, not the amount of damage. Yeah, thank you for
0: saying so. Because if you're 5 years old or 6 years old or 7 years old or 10 years old, maybe even still 14 years old, you don't even know what it is. You don't have a name for it. So it doesn't matter if you're using a hand, you're using another object, or you're using your penis. It's all the same thing. So... You know that now? Oh, yes. Yeah. I, no, and I did not know that at the time. At the time, did you use the vaginal penetration as the last bastion, the last wall to penetrate, the last, yeah, like, as was, long as you can hold up?
4: That, well, it, it was how I was framing it to myself. It was the ultimate consummation of our relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I told myself.
0: Later, David talks about how his abuse impacted his victim in a way I've never heard anyone describe. And now here's Robert, who says he raped four young girls, describing his first rape. He was 18, his victim 12.
5: I was walking home, and she was with a group of friends, and she came up to me. Did you know she was 12? At that time, no. hmm You um, didn't want
2: to
5: know. No, I didn't want to know. hmm We started talking and stuff. and. Um, I found out then that she was 12. Mm-hmm. We started messing around and kissing and stuff, and I got her to take her clothes off, and then I raped her on right there on the shore of the river.
0: So the other victims, your other victims, did you know them? Mm-hmm. Yes. You knew all your victims? Yes. So everybody here knew all their victims.
2: And that, I think, is such an important part, and that <laughs> is part of the educational part that we really wanted to get across is, you know, that whole stranger danger myth. Mm-hmm. Some Most guys are it-
0: hiding in the bushes, but... or not.
2: At least 90% or not. They're Mm -hmm. able to molest and rape and abuse their victims because they have a relationship, because they know them, because they can set them up. Mm
4: -hmm. Because there's trust. And
0: because Because there's there's trust. trust. And because there's trust. They knew their victims, and they earned their trust. Today, we're going inside the minds of child molesters. I had a rare opportunity to sit down with four men, all convicted sex offenders, who are willing to talk openly about why they do what they do. I know what they have to say will help you parents protect your children. And I promise, if you can just withhold your judgment and really listen to what they have to say, there is really priceless information that can keep America's children safer. So tell me why you would agree to do this interview today. Why did you want to do this?
1: I would like to tell the people of the world, the parents, the guardians, on a few things that they should be watching out for when the person is paying more attention to the child than being with the adults. Mm-hmm. They go to a, a party and, and put their children there. And he spends more time with the children than he does with the adults at the party. Red flag. Red flag, definitely red flag.
0: How uh, were you able
1: to um, groom
0: this five-year-old girl? She,
1: she relied on me quite a bit instead of her parents. Mm-hmm. and.
0: She called uh, your grandpa?
1: Yes. You were uh, a friend of the family? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. She grew to trust me. And I took advantage of that trust.
0: How were you able to make that okay in your mind? Because this is a five-year-old.
1: A five-year-old. That, I thought she liked it. Okay, I found out later that it hurt her. Okay. Uh, just touching her hurt her. But what if she did like it? Because... If you're doing
0: your job well, I always say this, you know, having been abused, that if an abuser is doing his job well, you've never experienced sex before, this is your first sexual encounter, they're doing their job well, it's bound to feel good. And so what if it feels good sexually? Does that make it okay?
1: At that time I needed, I needed attention myself.
0: But a five-year-old's gonna give you the attention that you she, as a 65-year-old yes. man need?
1: Yes, ma'am. Really? Yes. Yeah.
0: Tell me, Darren, why you want to do this, why you want to expose yourself this way.
3: If I could stop what's happened to my daughter to happen to another daughter out there and to prevent another father who's romancing some kind of ideas like I had in my head mm-hmm. about molesting his daughter, maybe just stop it before it happens. If I can save one child from What do you say molested. to that father
0: right now? Because... We're reaching millions of people all over the world. What do you want to say to that person?
3: If you're romancing those ideas, if you're having fantasies about young children, your daughters, uh, anything like that going on in your head, go get help. It doesn't go away. It's deep-seated issues that cause it, and they need to be all worked out. And trying to do it by yourself is not going to work.
4: So, why are you doing this, David? Even if I could impress upon one set of parents, just be better parents.
2: What does that mean?
4: Well, I, I was able to molest my victim because she was severely neglected. Mm-hmm. I was the only one there in her world who would listen to her, who would validate her, and that gave me such power over
0: her. And children are always looking for love. And sometimes I would say about myself, because you all know I was molested, right? raped at nine and then molested for many years at 10 and 12 and 13, 14 years old um, by members of my family and family friend. But to hear you say that is affirming for me because I was also one of those little girls who looked up to my uncle, looked up to my cousin, looked up to the family friend and was manipulated but for years didn't know that I was manipulated and, you know, blamed myself for it, held myself accountable for it. Do you understand the damage that you have done?
4: I don't think I'm capable of understanding the damage that I've done. Just by looking at the effects I've had on her life, that I, I know that there's been a huge amount of damage, but Can you I'm talk not about a- that a bit? Because
0: The thing that has frustrated me over the years in trying to get parents to understand that, first, it's about seduction. Mm -hmm. It's about grooming and seducing your target. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. It's about grooming and seducing. And you choose your targets. So I think it would be really valuable for parents to understand how they're chosen. You've talked a little bit about that, David, about... You look for the child that's neglected. You mm-hmm. look for the child that's needy. You look for the child that isn't getting a lot of attention, which was the case with your victim. Mm-hmm. What else do you see in their eyes that lets you know that you can get away with it? Because nobody's choosing any child. I say this to all my girls at school. Nobody's choosing any child who has the confidence and the self-esteem Absolutely. and is going yeah. th- th- that that we'll to... Yeah. That they think is going to tell. Nobody's choosing anybody that they think is going to tell. Am I correct? Right. All right, so what is it that you see in that child that allows you to believe you can get away with it? I
5: see anger in there, anger against their parents,
2: Mm
5: -hmm. Um, retaliation
0: against the parents. Mm
5: -hmm. I see trust for them towards
0: me. Mm -hmm. Because I think what we need to clear here is that you couldn't victimize unless there was trust. Right. That's the thing that people don't understand. It only happens this way when there is trust, right? You couldn't you couldn't do it unless there was trust. Okay. And then I
2: think that's why it continues to because of that trust in relationship, they yeah. oftentimes don't yell, don't scream, don't tell right away, which reinforces their belief and, system. And
0: and also because if the abuser is good, mm-hmm. he is not causing pain. Everybody thinks that it's this horrible painful thing, but each of you worked your 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 victims to the point where you tried to make them feel good. Did you not? Yes. Yeah. This is one of the most important lessons I want you to take away from this show. Child molesters charm their victims into trusting them. And they can often do that because they're close family, friends, or relatives. And many of them really, truly do not believe that they're doing any harm because they don't think that they're causing pain. Their goal is to bring sexual pleasure to the child so the child can then bring sexual pleasure to them. And that is why it is so hard for you to save your child. It's a calculated dance of seduction. Listen carefully. Let's talk about the grooming process because I think um, I was 42 years old before I recognized that I'd been groomed. So I think if we can save one person out there who has been molested and is still blaming themselves or who doesn't understand that you guys are pretty conniving, manipulative, and actually smart in your seduction abilities. So how were you able to seduce? How did it start?
3: Give them back rubs and foot rubs, and you it know, gets them used to physically being touched, and it kind of creates a bond.
0: Getting them used to your hands being on them. Exactly. <clears throat> and them trusting that. So that by the time you reach for a breast or you reach for the genital or whatever, whatever,
4: it's easier. You're shaking your head because? Because that's that's very much how I initiated my grooming process, is um, I would listen to her and then I would listen to her with my hand on her shoulder. And then we would cuddle on the couch together Mm -hmm. and then priming her for me to be physically intimate with her. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Very much like um, a couple on a first or second date, is it not? Right. Darren, what do you want to say? I knew it was wrong,
3: but in my own, I justified it in my own mind by saying it was a special thing between us, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't hurting her.
0: We've heard people say, even publicly, I would never harm a child. Mm -hmm. You thought you weren't harming her. No. You thought you were doing what, bringing her Physical pleasure is
1: what you physical said. Physical pleasure,
0: mm-hmm. and you thought the same thing, Lee.
1: Basically the same thing. I truly believed I was bringing her physical pleasure,
0: mm-hmm. and that because it was physical pleasure, that made it okay. I'm saying at the time yeah. you thought that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because we was, she was pleasing me, and I was pleasing her.
0: You didn't uh, think that you were a disgusting old man. You didn't think that.
1: No, seriously, Lee. No, you didn't think
0: at the time. At the the time,
1: after it got started, Mm -hmm. yes, after after I started it, to me it was just too late to stop.
0: Why was it too late to stop? I just,
1: we were, like I said, I I thought she enjoyed it so I would make her happy and uh, I would do things to her. uh, What kinds of things? Fondle her. Mm -hmm. Touch her.
0: So if I were to ask all of you, none of you thought that you were causing harm at the time? Not at the time. So if you've been carrying the guilt, the shame, which is the true horror of thinking that you are to blame for your own abuse simply because it felt good, that is exactly what they wanted you to feel so that you wouldn't tell. It is not your fault. I think everybody thinks that sexual abuse is about the actual act itself, but what it really is is changes who you are. It changes who you are when you've been sexually abused. I wanted to know if the child molesters I spoke with understood the extent of the damage and devastation they caused their victims. This started when you were eight and she was five. So when you're 14 and you vaginally rape her, and you're 15, and you're 16, and you're 17, and you're 18, and you're 19, and you're 20. What are you thinking about yourself? And how often is this
4: abuse continuing? Two or three times a week. Mm -hmm. Um, And then sometimes it would slow down to maybe once a month.
0: When you would engage with your victim, did it make you feel more powerful?
4: Yes. The first time I orally copulated her and and caused her to have an orgasm. I felt like I was the king of the world. Mm -hmm. How could anyone be better than me?
0: And how old was she and how old were you?
4: I was 12 or 13 and she was nine or 10. By this time you've convinced yourself she wants it. I have myself so convinced that I'm having fantasies of us running away somewhere where we could live as man and wife where no one would know we were related. Would you say you cared for this person? Yeah.
0: Would you say you loved her? Absolutely. What do you think you did to her? When you think about it, have you thought about it?
4: I have, I have spent a lot of time thinking about it. And
0: what do you think you did to her?
4: I killed who she could have been. I'm basically, I murdered a person. And just because she's still alive today and walking around and breathing, and even because she's just starting to make a good per- a better person of herself, getting back in school, getting her life on track, that doesn't take away anything from what I've done.
0: Have you had contact with your victim? Yes. Since she told
4: Yes. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, um, I was contacted by her therapist. And what has she said to you? She told me she forgave me. I have a real problem with that because I don't think it's forgivable.
0: When I heard David say that he killed who she could have been, that was one of the most powerful things I've ever heard anyone, particularly a sex offender, say because that is the absolute truth. When a child is abused, it changes who they are. It kills their spirit. How did you keep your victim from telling? What do you say to a five-year-old? to keep her from telling her mommy?
1: She just loved me. I think she loved me and she knew that we'd get in trouble.
0: Did you say to her you'll get in trouble or I'll get in trouble? I
1: told her one time that her uh, daddy found out that uh, he would beat me up and that I wouldn't be able to see her anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was a big that thing was right enough. there. That was enough. That, that was enough because she didn't want to leave. I mean, she, she wanted to be with me. What did you tell your victim?
3: that they'd take her away and she'd never see me again.
1: Did you say anything
0: to your victims?
5: Just that I loved them. That you loved them. That one seemed to work all the time.
0: Mm -hmm. What do you most want to tell parents? I know that's one of the intentions that you're doing this. So what do you most want
1: them to know? Be on the alert. You know, you don't have to mistrust everybody because there are people that just plain like myself. I love children. Okay. But at least open your eyes and and look around and see what's happening.
0: But if anybody had opened their eyes and looked around, would they have seen what was happening with you? Yes. An alert person would have, would have, a person knowing what the signs are would have known that something was going on.
1: I believe they would have.
0: How? Just
1: cuddling her, having her sit on my lap, doing little things for her, uh... The amount of time and attention you were spending the with amount them. amount of time and attention. But,
0: but then if you had been asked about it, you would have lied and said, I just love children.
1: Yes, I would. But who, who would they believe then? Now you've got to... They would have believed you. Well, would they? All, all, I, all, I, all, the, all, all of you have
0: lied before and, 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 and used your manipulative ooh. skills in order to con not just the children, but to also con their parents. So you're saying beware of that. Oh, be definitely aware of mm-hmm. it. What do you most want to say to parents, Darren?
3: Pay attention to your children's cues, and you've got to listen to your kids. When mm-hmm. they tell you,
0: mm-hmm.
3: someone touched me, you believe them because kids don't lie about that stuff. And a lot of times, they'll be dismissed because they'll believe the adult instead of the child. Mm-hmm. Listen to the children. They
0: don't make this stuff up. Is there anything your victims could have done to stop you? No, so, no. Pardon me? Told me no. Told you no. Do you think that would
2: have really stopped you?
0: Maybe with uh,
5: one or two of them in in the beginning. Not at the end, no.
0: Not at the end. No, because my second victim did tell me no. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything your victim, your five-year-old victim, could have done to stop you? No. If she had told the first time? That might have stopped me for a little bit, because when she told, it didn't stop me. Is there anything that five-year-old could have done to have stopped you?
1: Had she known more, yes, she could have. She'd just tell me, no, Grandpa. And I i had so much love for her that I wouldn't have. Uh-huh. That I feel in my heart that's what I would have done.
0: Is there anything your daughter could have done to have stopped you? She did. She turned me in. And I'm very proud
3: of her for that. She's uh, every right to protect herself, and I'm glad she took that initiative to protect herself.
0: Listen to your child's cues, and if you think, listen to me now, if you think something is going on, you're saying to yourself, hmm, that doesn't feel right, or that seems a little weird, then it probably is. That's called instinct. That is the warning, and that's the sign, and that's what it feels like. So if you're a child watching this, and it is happening to you, The best way to make it stop is to tell somebody. And if they don't believe you, you keep telling until somebody does, because molesters do not want you to talk. Tell somebody today. I have felt this for years, that this whole issue of molestation, sexual abuse, is so misunderstood.
2: Absolutely. It's so misunderstood, because
0: everybody thinks that what you read in the paper is what is happening to every child. Right. And they think that's what's happening, you know. Well, my child would tell me right. if somebody was torturing them or if it was a horrible experience. I think the unspoken shame mm-hmm. is that for millions of us who were molested, it was not at the time horrible. It was not a horrific experience because if somebody is treating you horribly and causing you pain, you are going to tell and every molester knows that, is that not true? Do you feel that you've been cured by the therapy process, by your probation?
1: I think I am being cured. I do not think I am there yet. Would you trust
0: yourself around children?
1: I I try not to be around children, okay? Because I do, I, I, I like children too much and so I just won't be around them.
0: Is it like being uh, an alcoholic, where you have to work on it a day at a time, that every day you're working on it, Darren?
3: Yeah, I believe so, because yeah, I can't say I'll never offend again. Because if I get back to that dark place I was before, I'm, I could possibly offend again. Mm-hmm. I think the difference is now, is that I recognize the pain I've caused at the time of my offense. I was not recognizing the pain I was causing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt anybody.
0: Will you offend again?
5: No, I can honestly say I will not re- offend again.
0: How do you know that?
5: Back then I wasn't a happy person. Mm-hmm. I was using drugs, I was drinking, I didn't care who I hurt. and It was like I didn't have any feelings toward anybody in the world. Mm-hmm. And now I've got these tools to help me with my triggers, to help me with my inner problems. I, I feel, I'm happy.
0: If I put you in a room with a group of gorgeous 14 year old girls, Would you be a danger to them? No. You would not? No. Will you ever offend again?
4: Probably not. I mean, it's, it's not something I can ever say in absolutes. I've already crossed that line once. And being in therapy now, I've had a good long look at a lot of really deep, horrible issues that I have with me. And... I'm always going to be a damaged person, but at least now I can see that and I can work on it.
2: Mm.
4: And I can, you know, I can live my life being a better person.
0: Well, these are four guys who are willing to talk about it. There are obviously millions um, who would not. So I want to thank David and Darren and Lee and Robert for being so candid and open, and their therapist, Don Horowitz, person for lending her support. And it is really my hope, having been talking about this for years and years, that this conversation opens a lot of eyes and minds and hearts. Bye, everybody. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah
2: Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening.